0: All right, well, Matthew chapter 21, and uh, we can just read this this morning. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and He will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to Him and threw their garments over the colt, and He sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of Him, And others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Praise God in highest heaven! The entire city of Jerusalem was in uproar as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Lord, I ask this morning that you would help us see clearly your heartbeat for your people as you came in to the city, who so often says no to you. And so, Lord, may we have hearts that are soft, ears that are open and listening, and may your spirit speak through your word this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, Right now, at this point in Jesus' ministry, it is somewhat strange, if you are familiar with the Gospels, because Jesus did something that would have been more of the opposite in what he just allowed for the disciples and himself to declare. And that is, shh, don't tell anyone. Don't let anyone know who I am. Don't let anyone get the word out. Let's be quiet about all of this miracle stuff. Let's not keep saying things. Let's not keep announcing things. Everyone stay hush, hush. But this seems to be kind of a surprise to the entire world that Jesus is allowed. In Mark chapter 1, verse 34. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he didn't allow them to speak. So he wouldn't let the demons say anything about him. Uh, There were multiple accounts of Jesus healing people in Mark chapter 1, verse 40, just a few verses later. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. <laughs> Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. So Jesus doesn't allow the demons to speak. He doesn't want healed people to talk. He's saying, shh. I almost feel like if, if Jesus had a pair of Clark Kent glasses, he would wear them, and it would confuse everyone, and they would not know who it was. Oh, wait, Jesus? Wait, who is that? Jesus? Who is that? I mean, it's one of those beautiful things when you're creative um, and you imagine things. Um, but he wouldn't let the demons speak. I mean, why not? You know, why, not let, why not let crazy things announce you're here? Well, Jesus obviously does not want people to put their faith in what demons say so you logically don't let them speak you keep them quiet because the pharisees already thought jesus worked for satan anyways so it it helps that he tells them to be quiet but why why tell people that you heal Shh. well i mean it would be just like today right when people hear of miraculous things or awesome things what do we do do we stay away no we don't <laughs> We buy tickets, we jump on the first plane, we we go, we do what we can, we get rounds, whatever that awesome thing is, whatever the the great thing of the day is, we flock to. It would be really hard when Jesus was sent to preach. Did you know that his primary role was to come to announce the kingdom of God? Now, yes, healings and miracles were a part of that, but his primary role is to preach and proclaim. And when you have mobs of people pushing in on you, it's really hard to function. If you've ever been to a concert where people are just mobbing and you're getting pushed around, it is not fun. I realize how old I am now because I don't like it anymore. I used to enjoy those things. I used to get in there and jump, go crazy. But now I'm like, get off of me. Stop touching me. You're sweating. Gross, you know. I mean, as you get older, those are the things you start to think, and you recognize how old you are. But there is, there are reasons that Jesus would obviously have said, this needs to stay quiet. Because he knew what he came to do. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was here. He obviously wasn't here for the show, which a lot of people may have been there for the show. You know, when you're Jesus, um, and you're the an- announcing Obviously, at this point, that he's the Messiah, and in the Old Testament, this was the one who was promised by the Lord to come and deliver the people. Now, if you were growing up in Israel, you had an opinion about the Messiah. You just could not help having an opinion about the Messiah. Firstly, there were those who didn't think there would be one. I mean, how long had God taken? How long had God taken to send the Messiah You had people who just outright said there will not be one. You had people who thought there would be two, one who would be a king and one who would be a priest. And so it wouldn't just be one person who'd show up, but there might be two. If you you grew up in in Israel, you would also believe that the Messiah was supposed to come riding in on a war horse with pomp and circumstance, victory, armor, not on a donkey. Others suggest that Jesus would have created a stir with his Messiah talk, and that would have, the cops and the authorities would have hassled him, and that could have been difficult in his communicating the gospel. But if you're also saying that you're the Messiah from the very beginning, there would be some walls you'd have to work through, right? Like people would naturally build walls when they came among you, if, if that was what you were saying. And so Jesus also had wisdom, which is why I believe... Son of Man was how he addressed himself. Not eye-raising, nothing fancy about the title. Obviously, we know there's more to that title than, than what the people of the day might have suggested. But Jesus knew what he was doing in keeping everyone quiet. And people are also fickle. John chapter 12. Um, God speaks, the people are arguing over what they've just heard. And so Jesus speaks up and he says this. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come. When Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out, and when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, We understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. People like a show. and simple, man. We like the emotion. We like the show. We like the shininess. We'll run to it. We'll be like, that was cool. And then we walk out no different. It's no different in Jesus's day. People gathering together to see the show. Like, honestly, it would have lit up Twitter. It would have lit up Instagram. It would have lit up Facebook had they had access to all those things. We're no different today as a society. And Jesus very clearly explains things, and John, very aware of the people around him, knew they walked away not believing that Jesus is who he says he was. Not only did he tell demons and healed people not to tell people about him, but in Matthew chapter 16, he tells those closest to him. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. So, why now? Why in this moment in history, in this moment in time, would Jesus go? You know what? In the future, the people who are putting these scriptures together, they're going to need a title for this section of scripture, and I want the title of the scripture to be Jesus's triumphant entry. And I can just hear the disciples going, "Oh man, oh, look at Jesus! He's so confused." He's so cute. Like, for so long, he's been hiding who he is from the rest of the world, and he thinks that a triumphant entry is riding in on a donkey? Oh, Jesus. See, the disciples and even those around him would have been like, no, 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 Jesus, triumphant entry? Not on a donkey, okay? You need, obviously, to get some PR. You need to set up a Twitter account. You need to get an Instagram. You need to get an agent. You need to do a book tour. You need to uh, obviously have a, a, a rent out of VIP lounge downtown Jerusalem, host all the nobles and, and the dignitaries. have a party, and this is your coming out party, man. This is what we want you to do. This makes sense. This is how we operate. Jesus, you're confused about what a triumphant entry looks like. And then I can hear Jesus saying, That'll do, donkey. (laughs) That'll do. It's so strange to consider Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. See, Palm Sunday is this moment of victory, and we like to talk about it, but more than that... Palm Sunday, or, or this triumphant entry, brings us face-to-face with all the false expectations we have about Jesus. All the times that we've said, Jesus, you should be something else, we come face-to-face with him going, no, this is who I am. And You have a decision to make. You can either be excited or... Or frustrated or mad about what you think I should be or you can say I acknowledge you as who you say you are You know, we just sang that song about jesus making all things new one of the first things jesus makes new Is our expectations of him and that can be more frustrating than hope-filled any day Right like when he frustrates our expectations of him because somehow jesus doesn't meet our expectation uh-huh. we don't want that we use phrases like well my jesus would never right my jesus we say that don't we or i think jesus would and we fill in the blank right but when we come face to face with our expectations and jesus going i'm not going to meet your expectation that's frustrating it's frustrating triumphant entry palms cloaks all the story the pomp and circumstance we come face to face with jesus do we believe who you say you are palm sunday is an opportunity to get back on course and to allow him the king if that is who he is to rearrange our expectations and i tell you that because that's tough We have a set of them. And Jesus is who he says he is. He gets to set the course. Jesus lets the cat out of the bag in in verse 3. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. That word Lord in the Greek is kurios. And it was a very common phrase like, Back in the day, my children might have called me Lord. That feels good, right? (laughs) You might have addressed your boss as Lord. You might have addressed, you know, you may have as a boss been addressed as Lord. It was a very common phrase used regularly. But there's something about that word, and we don't necessarily know if Jesus meant when he said to his disciples, tell them that the Lord needs them. Could he have been saying that God needs to use those donkeys? Yes. Could he have been saying that the disciples' master needs them? Yes. Could he have actually been saying that those donkeys' master needs them? Yes. Which would have been strange to the person who owned those donkeys, right? Like, wait a minute. I, you, you don't own those. But if you're the Lord, maybe you do own those donkeys. I don't know. Maybe you do. I'm, I'm confused. But the truth is, of the picture of Lord is this this one who has authority. Recognizing that there is authority behind who he is and what he says. This is what Jesus is laying out. Any way that we might try and look at it, Jesus is saying because of who he is, he could make the request. It's like when that, those chase scenes and an officer runs out in front of a car and says, Stop, I must commandeer this vehicle. Get out of it. I'm, I'm going to go chase a bad guy. Because of who they are, they have the right to say, I have need of this. Now, I, I kid you not, I have been in conversations with people who are like, Well, I think Jesus, that's wrong. He stole those donkeys. Please don't get caught up on things that aren't important. The truth is, if Jesus is who he says he is and has all authority, for him to make need of someone's donkeys or a dignitary to say that I will need these would have been a, he would have had every right to do those things. And who's to say that he didn't replace those donkeys? We don't know the rest of the story. Who's to say that four more donkeys didn't just come walking into town and tie themselves up right where they were and what? I don't know. We don't know all the details. The point is, if he had all authority, he could make the request. Jesus had all authority. This is very different than popular opinions about who Jesus is. We like to limit Jesus to being a teacher and a philosopher because that's comfortable right? We like to say, oh, he says good things, so you should consider that. That's comfortable. There are a lot of people who say good things, but when Jesus comes and says, I have all authority, that kind of gets us a little bit, right? Especially in a day and an age where everything is cool, everything is great, everybody's good, Jesus is one in the many of good teachers. Jesus is not allowing us that thought in this moment. In verse 4 of Matthew 21, this took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Right around 500 years before Jesus shows up on the scene, the prophet Zechariah announces this very same thing, Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, I know we don't like to talk about the scriptures. I know we like to throw things to the side because it sometimes makes us uncomfortable and we don't like to discuss things but there is something about a book there is some street cred to a book that can declare and announce and those things come to pass see there are things about jesus there are prophecies specifically about jesus that he could have no control over if he were not the messiah where he was born who he was born to how he would be born But a number of prophecies spoken hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus shows up, things are fulfilled. And I know we like smoke screens and we don't want to deal with God. We don't want to listen to his word. And so we'll come up with every reason under the sun not to acknowledge his word. But I'm telling you, when a book makes bold declarations and they come to pass, not just one, two, but hundreds of prophecies about one man, You have to go. Maybe there's something to that word. Maybe it is greater and grander than the Harry Potter series. (laughs) Maybe it has more for my life than the number one bestseller on the New York Times right now. The scriptures announce a king who would come victorious but humble. Jesus announces this as he comes in. Jesus is announcing that he is their king, and he is making their presence known. Obviously, as we've already stated, if you had an idea of the Messiah, this would not fit in your logic, because it would have been war horses, show, high weapons, an army coming in. It would not have had Anything to do with humility, it would have been crush. It would have been destroy. It would have been give us back our freedom. We will no longer be under Roman rule. You're going to liberate us. You're going to make us free. It's going to be a show, and we're just going to sit back and eat our popcorn and watch you destroy everyone who has ever tried to destroy us. But then you hear the donkey, and I bet Jesus was like, let him speak. <laughs> Don't try and silence the donkey. Let the donkey announce me. It's why I'm coming in this way. Eey-haw. Such a good sound to remind us of what humility looks like. There's no neighing going on. There's no, you know, that strong sound that a horse makes. It's this terrible sound that a donkey makes. Reminds us of how our king came To his people. The crowds, we don't know all about all the crowds, but there could have been some followers of Jesus in that crowd. There could have been some town folk. There could have been pilgrims who were making their way to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. There could have been people who were just there for the show. They heard about this dude. They kind of understood who Lazarus was. And there's this conversation of this dude came back from the dead. Let's go check this thing out. Let's go get our phones out, not be present in the moment, and just take a thousand pictures of Jesus coming. And we're going to post about it. Right? That's who was in this crowd. Yet there were some who were throwing their cloaks onto the street, there were some who were cutting branches and waving them and laying them down. Cloaks would have been a recognition for this is our king. A humility among a people because they're recognizing a king coming in. They would have laid their coats down, branches being swung. And I don't know if you've ever read about when nations took over other nations and there was a good response from the people, but there would be branches waved and laid down in, the same, in a very similar fashion. And really what those branches pointed to was we now have a national liberator. Like, this guy is coming to bring us out of wherever we're at right now. He is going to bring in a new kingdom, a new rule, a new something. And they're acknowledging it, whether they knew it was going to be one of a physical kingdom or the kingdom of God. Which surprised a lot of people because it did not look like what they thought it would. And at the same time, they were shouting, Hosanna! Praise God! Literally translated, save now. What a wonderful phrase to be said. As we are saying praise God, we are saying he is saving now. It's both a declaration and it's a both it's a, a declaration and a request. Anytime I hear people, especially if you've grown up around the church for a long time, people are like, Praise God. They'll just say it. It's like breathing sometimes, like you're walking around with them and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, they but what they what they're acknowledging is that God did something. And truly, praise God, save now. A declaration and a request. And as we know, Jerusalem is in an uproar. Verse 11 says, And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Here's another reference we have to deal with. Prophet in the Old Testament was one that God would tap on the shoulder to speak for him, to deliver his words to a people, often rebellious people, a people who were running in the other direction. The prophet would say, don't do that. Don't, don't worship idols. Return to me. Come back. Come home. Stop running. Stop, stop running towards those things. Run back to me. I'm quick to forgive. I'm merciful. Come this way. Don't go the other way. And they were acknowledging something about the way Jesus spoke. Jesus speaking in a way that they had not seen or heard in a very, very, very long time. But he was speaking for the Lord. And the beautiful thing about Jesus being the word of God, not just speaking the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. And just like your words make clear what's your thoughts, what you're thinking, in the very same way, Jesus makes very clear who God is to us it's a powerful imagery of Jesus being the word of God not just speaking for him but also being the word of God in front of us visiting his people there's power to this picture lord king and prophet all phrases Jesus says I'm cool with you saying about me I'm good with that. That doesn't bother me at all. But see, we're uncomfortable with it. We get uncomfortable with the idea of Jesus being more than a philosopher or a teacher or somebody who comes and just says some good things. I like to think of Jesus as fill in the blank. My Jesus wouldn't. It's almost as if early, early, early on in Facebook days when it first started. There were these elements that people would, would, would get into their friend's Facebook page and change everything about them. They would, like, somebody would leave their Facebook open and you would go in and then you would just say they were a huge fan of Justin Bieber. You would change their image to Justin Bieber. You would put, I love Justin Bieber everywhere. You'd post images about Justin. Like, so, and this, this was when your Facebook was hacked, right? Because we're all technology people and we're great hackers because somebody left their Facebook page open. I don't know why. It's an insult to hackers, right? What we say, somebody hacked their Facebook page, right? Okay, I'm just making sure. All right, But it's almost as if Jesus' Facebook page, it really has become someone else saying for him what they think he is like. Or what he should do for them. And this is where I said Palm Sunday becomes an opportunity to confront all of our expectations about Jesus. And oftentimes he shatters them and we don't like that. We think Jesus should do things for us. Or we think he should be this way. We think he should say these things. But then he shows up as Lord, King, Prophet. And it kind of shakes the foundations and any anytime our foundation gets shook, man, we're like, well, I don't know if I want to go back. I think I'm going to stay away for a while until I'm comfortable with my thoughts about Jesus again, and then I'm going to go back, and now, oh, man, I'm confronted with Jesus again. I don't like that. I'm going to go back away. Let me get comfortable again with my thoughts on who I think Jesus is, and then it happens over and over and over again because Jesus will not let you settle for your thoughts about him if they're not true. He's the truth. And he will deal with any falsehood when it comes to his name. The promised rescuer was coming and giving the people more than, more than another chance, more, than, more of a chance to receive him as Messiah. Yet he was riding in on a donkey, not on a war horse. Symbolically, a donkey, someone coming riding in on a donkey, would have been a peace offering. There would have been an announcement of peace. This was a picture of peace coming to a city, recognizing that God's not coming to destroy people. If he had come in on a horse, there may have been a, this is a war kind of a moment of, I'm declaring war. But the truth is, Jesus rides in on a donkey, announcing that peace with God is possible announcing that a people who are broken, a people who have been running, a people who have been at war with God now have the opportunity to respond to his goodness and to have peace with God. In Luke's account, this triumphant entry, it's it's recorded in all four Gospels, so any of the Gospels that you might read through, this account is there. But in Luke's account, this is what we read. As he came closer to Jerusalem... And saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Jesus' tears... Give a good indicator of who he is and why he came. Jesus' tears over Jerusalem, that was a beautiful place, pretty on the outside, but broken on the inside. Jesus' tears are this this you have missed your opportunity to be at peace with God. You have missed it. Will we? Like, we've all wept over what could have been. Like, I think we have. I think we've all journeyed points of regret in our life. But when we see what Jesus weeps over, you and I need to take notice. You and I need to take notice of Jesus' longing for people to not have to weep over what could have been, but to know peace with God. And Jesus doing everything in his power to help us see that the kingdom of God and this king bring us peace. Some translations word it, you did not accept this opportunity for salvation. Salvation is not found in getting out of a sticky situation. Salvation is not found in being a good person and doing good things. Salvation is found in the forgiveness of our sin and at peace, having peace with God. Because when there's peace there, when there is no more conflict between me and him, no more uh, me running or rebelling from his ways, but me acknowledging that he is king, me acknowledging that he is Lord, me acknowledging that his word is final, there actually becomes this peace between you and I as well. Peace with ourselves. And that's really what we're fighting for, right? We're fighting... To be at peace, but we keep finding that these things that we grab a hold of aren't giving it to us. And that's because they weren't meant to. And anytime you feel frustration over not feeling that peace because of whatever it is you're grabbing onto, it's God's kindness telling you it's not meant to. Peace is made possible with Christ as Lord, with Christ as King christ as the word of god spoken to us jesus as lord king prophet and god himself these are very controversial ideas but do you align with the pharisees in this pharisees love to be like you guys need to stop saying this stuff about jesus in luke chapter 19 verse 39 this is what the pharisees say But some of the Pharisees among the crowd, this is the same crowd, this is the triumphant entry. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like this. Jesus replies, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Jesus is not giving you and I the opportunity to say he's just a good dude, he's just Wise, He's saying that all creation will shout his name. A crazy person says those things. A liar says those things. Or God himself says those things. Jesus is not going to be okay with us going, Jesus, you're in line with a couple of these other good communicators. You just did it a little differently. No, Jesus just said the rocks will explode with praise if these people don't. Please don't tell me you're okay with Jesus and his teachings. And this doesn't bother you if he's not who he says he is. If he is who he says he is, then we have every reason to throw our cloaks down on the ground. Every reason to wave the branches. We have every reason to call him the prophet, the one who speaks for and displays God to his people. Somehow, God was coming into this town, to the temple to offer peace. Peace with God being made possible through what he was going to accomplish for us on Good Friday. The plan of God makes religious people uncomfortable. If you are a checklist person and you only like to do good things and you like to check off that you have done enough to please God for this week because next week you're going to blow it and then the following week you're going to make up for it and you are a checklist person, Jesus makes you uncomfortable because there is no checklist with Jesus. But he also makes the sinner very aware that peace we did not think was possible because of all that we have done and said he made possible. Jesus confuses and confounds the religious checklist person, but oh, does he comfort the sinner? Does he comfort the one who has seen him or herself so far off from God that there was no shot, no chance, no way God would want anything to do with me? Jesus shatters all of those images. He says, no, I want everything to do with you. And I, more than that, want you to have everything to do with me. What a comforting invitation to broken people. But yet religious people missed it somehow. And it caused Jesus to weep. This morning, as we close in worship, there's questions that we have to answer. Who do we say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he a good teacher? Is he a good philosopher? Or is he worthy of you taking your coat and throwing it down on the ground for him to walk in? Or is he someone who you will swing the branches for because you recognize that you have been liberated from sin? You have been pulled out of the old country, brought into the new country with the new king because he made a way. He transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You have been liberated from sin, so you swing that branch. You swing it big and loud, and you throw it down on the ground, and you celebrate this king coming in. Are you the guy or the girl who's like I'm here for the show I'm just here for the show Palm Sunday isn't just about a celebration It's about a confrontation It is a confrontation With all of my expectations about Jesus That if we'll let him Jesus will Sit down And he will hand us who he is He gives us himself Singing Hosanna, praise God, is both a prayer and an ask. It's a declaration that God is able to save, and it's a request for him to save. Have you said those words? Have you said, God, please save me? I'm done trying to do this on my own. I am done wrestling with these things that I think will give me salvation. But every time I gather with people or the church or the body of Christ or I get into your word, I get frustrated. I get upset because I'm seeing that these things aren't saving, but I just need to know that you can save me. Have you said it? Have you said, just save me? I can't do it anymore. It's an opportunity to pray and to cry those things out. Or, like the Pharisees, are you saying, you guys need to stop making a big deal about Jesus? Slow your roll about Jesus, man. He's not that big a deal. Let it go. That's really what the Pharisees were saying. Have you rejected all of these things that Jesus has said of himself? And have you allowed others to say of him, he's not who he says he is? And you should just be fine with that. Because there's nothing more that the enemy would like for us to believe is that Jesus is just a good guy. Could it be that this Palm Sunday that you acknowledge that Jesus might not have been what you wanted, but he's without a doubt what you need? There comes a point in every Christ follower's life where we are confronted with our expectations and go, No, no. Maybe he wasn't what I wanted him to be, but he is what I need. And that's what love really does, right? It's not love that gives you everything you want. In fact, that's the opposite of love. Love is to give people what they are in need of. And God did that with Christ. Peace with him becomes possible through Christ. This is why we celebrate this week the one who has come in the name of the lord did not come with force or on a war horse but with gentleness meekness and humility god has visited his people as we close this morning in worship we'll be we'll be singing but there will also be a chance to move in response there'll be some some folks around the room with some plates of bread and a cup of juice that bread representing the body of christ that was given for us that we will we will sit in and co- contemplate and, and meditate on this friday And that juice representing the blood of Christ, which was poured out for the forgiveness of sin. This is the way to peace with God. It is to have sin forgiven. Peace with God is not me doing more good things. Peace with God is knowing that my sins, once and for all, have been reconciled. I have been reconciled to God. I am no longer guilty. I am no longer under judgment. But I have been made at peace with God. This meal is an opportunity to remember that. And so if you are in this room this morning and you are saying, that's my way home, then you are more than welcome to go to that table, take that bread, dip it in the juice, take it in, remember that Christ made peace with God possible. If you're here and you're just kind of, I don't even know about this whole thing, then you are more than welcome to just observe. But maybe, just maybe this morning, you believe this story. You believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you're ready to say that publicly, then this is an opportunity to say for the first time I'm taking this bread, I'm taking this juice. Jesus, you are mine. You are enough. And at the same time, there'll be some families standing over on that side of the room ready to pray for you. If you're just like, I, just could, I would love somebody to pray for me, I'm journeying, and this is not easy, it's been tough. I just need to know somebody will pray for me. You may not even have to say a word. You can just say, pray for me. They will. But if you're a person that says, I still have questions. And you really want to deal with those questions. And you're not just going to go, eh, it's a smoke screen. I got questions. No, they're real questions. I'd love to chat with you over here. Pray for you. And honestly, I want to persuade you to follow Jesus all the days of your life because he's worth it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for loving us. And I just ask in these moments that as some will throw their cloaks down, some will wave their branches, some will be here for a show, some will long to follow you all the days of their life, some will be taking this meal for the first time or for the 100,000th time. We want to be your people. Lord, please, 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 don't let us keep running in the other direction, but may we not miss peace with you. Jesus, you are peace. You are peace to a restless group of human beings. May we find our rest in you. In your name we pray.